Hi everyone, this is the final video in Easter, Passover, and Resurrection series. If you have followed this series at all, you know that we have come all the way from Genesis to the New Testament. We've talked about everything from Easter to Passover to the Resurrection, which is why we've titled it this way. If you haven't watched those videos, I highly, highly, highly recommend you go back and watch them. You can prove everything I'm saying by the Bible, and actually on the internet there's a lot of this information. So if you are diligent, you can discover, as I did, the truth of Easter, Passover, and the Resurrection. In this final video, we're going to figure out the answer to some questions. Last time I told you that there has been this concocted story about Easter and the Passover and the Resurrection being the same thing, and that Jesus Christ was crucified on Friday afternoon and resurrected Sunday morning. And you cannot, I don't care if you're Einstein, Sir Isaac Newton couldn't get three days and three nights from Friday afternoon to Sunday morning. It's physically impossible. It doesn't happen. And the reason it doesn't happen is because it's ludicrous. And because we do not understand what happened, we just accept it hook, line, and sinker. And we go about Holy Week and we go through the stations of the cross not knowing what we're doing. So let's talk about it. How? Why is it like this? Why do we put them all together? Okay, to understand this, you have got to understand Rome. There was a Roman emperor named Constantine, and in the year 313 of the Common Era, or CE, Constantine ruled the western half of the Roman Empire. He shared his power with a guy named Licinius, and Licinius had the eastern half of the Roman Empire. So there was a lot of persecution of Christians. It was terrible persecuting Christians. Well, the Lord moved on Constantine's heart. Constantine wasn't saved yet. His salvation wouldn't come for another 13 years at this point. But in 313 of the Common Era, Constantine and Licinius decided that there was so much religious tumult through the empire of Rome that they were going to make an edict. This is the Edict of Milan, and it was written by Constantine and Licinius in the year 313 CE. You can find this on the internet. It's in the public domain. You can read it for yourself. In this edict, it said that every person in the Roman Empire or every Roman citizen or subject of the Roman Empire was able and allowed and encouraged to celebrate whatever religion they wanted to, and they were allowed and encouraged to worship whatever deity they wanted to. Now, don't think that this is just a wonderful, holy, and pious move by Constantine and Licinius, because the language actually says that they did it so that they would receive the favor of whatever deity was actually in control. <laughs> Basically, they did it to kiss up to whatever the real God was. And so they go through and they say everybody can practice whatever religion they want. Well, both Constantine and Licinius were pagans at this time, and they would remain pagans. Constantine for 13 more years, and Licinius definitely for the rest of his life. Well, after this edict goes out, there are a whole lot of pagans that are really, really mad because of the second half of this edict. The second half of this edict says, if you have taken anything from the Christians, their property, or if their property where the Christians used to gather 
is now a pagan place where the pagans gather, then it has to be returned to the Christians. Okay, so the pagans are mad about it. Okay, that's going to come into play in our story in just a little bit. But they're angry, right? And Licinius starts persecuting Christians again, even after he writes this edict for practicing Christianity. And so there's this huge battle that ensues between Constantine and Licinius. Constantine winds up being the victor and gaining control over the entire Roman Empire, East and West. Which means, of course, that he's in charge of Jerusalem, which he always was, but now he's got ultimate power in the entire Roman Empire. And of course his mother, Helen, is privy to the Edict of Milan, which says that all of these sites that Christians used to gather at must be returned to the Christians. Now, I know Christians. I'm one. I know a lot of Christians, and I'm sure that they didn't change that much from that time period. And I'm sure that there were lots and lots and lots of Christians going to all these pagan temples and laying hands on them, praying for the deception to be released and all this other stuff so that the pagans would come to know their salvation in Jesus Christ. And so I'm sure that Helen, not being discerning, Helen is Constantine's mother, not being discerning enough, knowing why the Christians were there, thought that some of these pagan sites were actually Christian sites. So they were commanded to be Christian sites. This is the case with the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which actually was a temple to um, Apollo. And there are several other Christian sites that are considered stations of the cross in Israel, in Jerusalem, that people visit all year long, and especially during Holy Week. And so these were bogus sites. Not all of them, but, but most of them were bogus sites dictated by Helen, the mother of Constantine, after the Edict of Milan. One site that was not bogus was the garden tomb. We know that the garden tomb was not bogus because if you examine the upper left side of the entrance to the garden tomb, you will find a, a pin, a rod, an iron rod in there. So if you examine this iron rod, you find that it is from the garden tomb. It was put in to molten rock, and this is how the Roman soldiers and the Sanhedrin made the tomb as secure as they knew how. Remember, the Sanhedrin went to Pilate and they said, we're afraid that somebody's going to come steal the body because they said he was going to be resurrected and we're afraid that he'll deceive the, the people. So Pilate says, go and make it as secure as you know how. Well, we have a pin from that that proves that that garden tomb was actually the tomb where Jesus was laid, and that is an accurate site in Jerusalem. As well, they have done studies on that pin, and that they have said that it would take 90 tons of pressure to move whatever that pin was holding. It would take 90 tons of pressure to move the rock or to break that pin, okay? And so that means that even if Mary Magdalene had gotten there before Jesus had resurrected, she couldn't have moved the rock. Nobody could move the rock except God, which is proof further that Jesus Christ resurrected. So we have Constantine in 313 putting this edict out saying, return these places to the Christians and the Christians can practice their religion. And then we have Helen going around all over saying this is a holy site and that's a holy site, not knowing any better. And then on March 7, 321 CE, Constantine, remember he was in power now by himself. And there's all these pagans that are against him. It's like complete disruption, complete tumult under the rule and the kingdom of Constantine. 
And so what he does is he says, okay, okay, okay. I know that all you pagans worship the sun. Actually, they're worshiping Nimrod, but they don't know it. They, he says, they all worship the sun. So the day that's named after the sun god, Mithra, which is Sunday, let's have that as our day of worship. So he talks to everybody in the Roman Empire and puts out an edict on March 7th, 321 CE, saying that from now on, every religion has to practice their religion on Sunday. They have to worship on Sunday so that there's peace on Sunday because it's the, the day of the sun god. That's where we get people going to church on Sunday and not Saturday, which was actually the Sabbath. That's where that came from, okay? With the same edict that went forth on March 7th, 321 CE, we see Constantine saying, okay, I want everybody to get along. So, because the pagans have the Easter feast, which celebrates Ishtar, Semiramis, or Easter, and because the Jews have the feast of the Passover, and the Christians have this resurrection thing, and they all seem to happen in the spring of the year, then we're going to put them all together, and it's going to be one week of celebration. That came from Constantine. That's why they're all together. And most Christians have no freaking idea that when they go to church on Easter Sunday, that they're celebrating a pagan holiday set forth by a pagan king, who they think was a Christian, and they're doing pagan things, like worshiping a lying, child-murdering Wanna be God. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the rest of the videos and you will figure it out. Or even better, watch the rest of the videos and then research it for yourself. Now, Constantine doesn't get saved until 326 CE. That's when we have a marked salvation declaration by Constantine. But what we find is that Constantine, even after 326 CE, still put his picture on his coins, and on the coin he put in Latin that he would forever worship the sun god. Sol Invicta Mithra. That's what he put on his coins. In other words, he was forever Mithra's subject, forever the sun god's subject, and he was never going to change. And we see that because even after 326 CE, after his so-called salvation, we know that he had his wife and his son murdered because he thought that they were trying to take the kingdom from him. We know that Constantine, whether he had a real moment with Jesus Christ in 326 CE, did not allow that moment to get involved with his life. Just like we talked about last time, Judas knew those things, but he was only blessed if he did them. Same thing with Constantine. He knew the things, the truth, of Jesus Christ, but he would be only blessed if he did them. And then, of course, we find the downfall of Constantine and ultimately the downfall of Rome because, of course, they're going against Christ. And you can't go against Christ and live for very long. So I'm going to wrap up this video. I hope you've enjoyed this entire series about Easter, Passover, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have any questions, please hit me up on our website, which is www.waterwindwine.org. You can also hit me up on Facebook, www Ministries. I will be happy to answer any questions or direct you to my sources for these videos. Further, if you want to receive salvation in the only God who actually ever was resurrected, Jesus Christ, you don't have to go through every sin that you've ever committed in your life. You don't have to do this big song and dance or even get yourself off of your addiction or off of the couch. All you have to do is believe that Jesus Christ came to earth, became sin for you, died on the cross, 
and that God raised him up again the third day. You have to believe this in your heart and confess it in your mouth. And then what will happen is you are given the opportunity by God to act out your salvation and you need to act it out. And that's the first step is saying it out loud. So if you have just received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, or if you are about to, please hit me up. I would love to talk you through this process and guide you through studying the Bible and help you and disciple you and mentor you in any way you can. I'm open for any questions on our website or on our Facebook page. Thank you for watching, and remember, I love you, but most importantly, Jesus Christ loves you. Music